Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Good to see you tonight, church. Did you have a good day? Let's try that one more time. Good evening, church. Did you have a good day? Good. We're glad you did. And it's always a good day to have a good day, isn't it? Every day is a good day to have a good day. I'd rather have a good day than a bad day. Isn't that right? We had a good service this morning. I'm thankful for, for Pastor McNaughton being here and uh, preaching, even though he was injured. I'm glad he didn't get placed on the IR, you know, the injured reserve list. He may when he gets back to Florida, you know. Uh, you know, he was playing kickball, I guess it was, right, Brother Bart, on Friday night at Recharge, and um, he thinks, now he hasn't been diagnosed yet, um, I think one of the teenagers diagnosed him and said he has an Achilles tendon tear. That's pretty serious stuff, you know. And, uh, and so uh, probably need surgery on that, right? I would imagine. So pray, pray for Brother Bart if you would. And they're flying back to Florida. And you're taking, I understand you're taking a prized treasure with you on Tuesday. They're taking Miss Honey with them. Amen. Yeah, she's going to spend some time on the beach. She's going fishing, she's going to water ski, and uh, yeah, it's great. You have a great time, sister. We'll look forward to seeing you get back here, and amen. Hey, pray for Tyler and Carrie. They'll be leaving for vacation tomorrow, and they're going to spend some time with family in in Tennessee, right? In the Smoky Mountains, is that where you're going? That's a great place to be, and so pray for them. They'll be driving early this morning. And uh, I think, uh, pray for Clay. I think they're going to have him sleep in the van tonight. Is that what you said, Brother Karen? Tyler? And uh, so we'll be thinking about you, praying for you. And uh, he said, Clay, he said, you're the hardest person to get out of bed. So my suggestion is have him sleep in the van, you know. Y'all go into the house and you stay in the van. Amen. It's a good message this morning. And uh, again, we didn't speak, Brother, Brother Bart and I didn't speak at all about what he was preaching when we have guest preachers in, unless it's themed, right? So if we have missions conference, we kind of understand they're going to not preach on marriage, right? They're going to preach on missions. And, and so when I have a guest preacher come in, I never tell them what to preach. I just tell them whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And that's the message the Lord laid on his heart. And it, it's amazing how it, it, really, it really does kind of connect with the thought that I had for this evening. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, we're, we're going to spend a little time here in verses 1 through 11 uh, tonight. And, uh, and let me just give you kind of like just a little background of the text. Uh, Paul's speaking uh, here to the church in Corinth, and, and it's about, he's speaking to them about developing, cultivating uh, the right frame of mind. And the best frame, you know, the Bible says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So it, it, it's really it's really important for us to try to arm ourselves or cultivate the mind of Christ, right? And if we can have the mind of Christ, I think that'll certainly kind of, kind of influence uh, our, our walk with the Lord. Isn't that right? 
but Paul is kind of kind of intimating he's kind of kind of implying that we ought to develop an eternal mindset and uh, Pastor Bart this morning spoke a little bit about about being kingdom citizens understanding that we are kingdom citizens or that we're to be living you know as king kingdom living we're kingdom people and, and not, you know, it's not, we're, you know, we're going to you know, wait to the end and, and we start being that, you know, when we enter into eternity. No, the kingdom of God, we believe, is right here, right now, today. And, of course, it's going to become more visible um, in the future. Uh, but we need to be living that way today. And that's what Paul begins to speak to the church in Corinth about. Uh, he spent most of 1 Corinthians. You ever read through 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians is really a thesis of, of correction. Because what you find there in 1 Corinthians is Paul uh, constantly having to correct the church because they had developed a very carnal mindset. Their frame of mind was carnal. You know that word carnal indicates? What, what's carnal speak about? Being what? Being fleshly, right? Leaning to the flesh, you know? And so Paul spends most of 1 Corinthians speaking to the church in Corinth about their frame of mind being carnal. But it appears now when you begin to, when you look at 2 Corinthians, uh, the church was, I think the church was ready to move on. And I think the church was in a position right now to maybe accept the challenge of this text. And that's what we're going to find out. Uh, I want to say this, the Bible's interesting, isn't it? You know, uh, we, we've, often, we've often looked at the Bible and we said it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you study the scriptures, it's like, you know, peeling an onion. You know, and you take off one layer, and then there's another layer, and, and parables are that way, right? When you read or study the parables, they're, they're kind of like peeling, peeling an onion. You know, you got, that, you got that story that the Lord begins to share with you in this parable. It's just a, you know, a common, everyday kind of story that we would, we would understand and be able to identify with. But then as you begin to peel back the layers, you know, you find deeper truth, eternal truth, spiritual truth, Right? Well, sometimes in studying the Scriptures, it's that way. Uh, for instance, there are some lessons in the Bible that you really got to dig in order to get out that lesson, you know? This morning was, that text this morning was that way. Matthew chapter number 6, Jesus is speaking, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, Pastor Bark today went through verses 19 down to verse number 24 or 5, and, uh, and right in the middle there, Right? I mean, you know, uh, lay up for yourselves treasures, you know, in heaven. We understand that. But right in the middle there, you'll notice he paused and had to really dig in. You remember that? And, and he said this. He, he read that text of Scripture where it talks about, you know, the, the light uh, of the body. The eye is the light of the body. The, uh, the, the light of the body is the eye. And if thy eye be evil, right? You know, and so, and he, he has said this, he said, man, we might say, no, let's scrap those two verses. They certainly don't fit in, but they do. And what you have to do, now pay attention right here, what you have to do sometimes in studying the scriptures in order to get the lesson is you got to dig. You got to dig in. And I appreciate the fact that he dug in this morning and he, he began probably in his own personal study, he said, so how does this fit in? And you begin to, you know, you just dissect that verse of Scripture. And he started with, you know, the eye. It talks about the eye being evil. And that led him all the way back to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. You remember that? And he dug in there, then to the book of Proverbs. And, and I mean to tell you, and then, and then it just becomes, doesn't it become rich? 
Uh, because then you realize this, those verses aren't placed there. They were not placed there on accident. They're, they're there on purpose. And if we'll dig in, we'll find even, even, even greater truth, a more uh, appropriate truth, more practical truth than maybe just be on the surface. So the Bible's interesting. There's those passages of Scripture that in order to understand them, you really need to dig in. But then there are those passages when uh, the truth is just there for the taking. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just right out there in the open, right? So some passages you got to dig in. And then there are those passages where, I mean, it's just right there. And this passage is one of those passages just right there. This is what I would call a Sunday night passage. You don't have to work that hard to get it. It's just right there. You know, Sunday morning, you're bright, you're alert, you're ready to go. And I said to myself, I'll let my brother do the work. And he did a fine job. But then there's those passages that everything is just right on the surface. I mean, the Lord just puts it right on the table. And this is the passage for us tonight. Look, look at the text. I want you to notice a word that is going to jump out. We're going to read the first 11 verses, but I'm going to read them just by highlighting statements. Can we do that? And then we'll go back in and and take a deeper look. Look at verse 1. And I want you to highlight. Don't go there yet, guys. Uh, Look at verse 1, and I want you to highlight the statement that I make. I want you to highlight the statement, for we know. For we know. For we know that if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For we know. And then in verse number two, I want you to highlight this passage, these words, for in this we groan. And so we know, and then I want you to highlight we groan. And he says this, for, uh, for in this we groan earnestly, desiring pretty much that house that's from heaven, that eternal home. And then, then if we jump down, we'll see in verse number uh, six, he says, therefore we are always confident. Look at verse number eight, we are confident. So, we know, we groan, we are confident. You see that? And then if we were to continue to move down in verse number 9, he says, wherefore, wherefore, as a result of, we labor that whether present or absent, we might be accepted of him. So, now, now stay with me. Uh, we know, we groan, we're confident, we labor. Look at verse number 10. We must all appear, he says, before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, right? So look at it again. We know, we groan, we're confident, we labor, and we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then verse number 11, he says, therefore, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what's the next three words? We persuade men. We persuade men, but we are manifest unto God, and I trust also manifest in your consciences. And so, over and over, in those 11 verses, we find the word we. Did you see it? Huh? We. Uh, You know this. We is a word of inclusion. We. Us. Our. Not me. Mine. I right? It's we. Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says we. That's an inclusive word. You know the church is inclusive, and every word that we speak from Scripture is for everybody. Isn't that right? And so the message tonight uh, that Paul is sharing with us is for everyone, and what he's doing here, I believe, is this. He's describing what I'll call an eternal 
mindset or an eternal frame of mind, right? And, uh, and, and, and I think you picked it up. He uses words like this. Pay attention. He uses these phrases, our earthly tabernacle, and then he says, being clothed with our house from heaven. He speaks about being absent from this body, being present with the Lord. Uh, he speaks about the judgment seat of Christ. He speaks about persuading men. Do you see that? And when you begin to hear these phrases, when you hear these words, uh, it's, pretty much, it's pretty much guiding our attention toward eternity. And so Paul was encouraging us to develop this eternal mindset. Uh, and so let's talk just a few minutes about these verses. Let's break them down. We'll go from verse, five, uh, verse 1 all the way down through verse number 11, and I think we'll, we'll get something practical for our, ourselves tonight. Look at verse number 1. He says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So I think this. I think you and I, we know a little bit about this earthly tabernacle, don't we? Say amen right there. Sure we do. Uh, uh, we're speaking about this body. And we know a little bit about this body, especially some of us who are a little older. We know a lot more about this body because we, we've been with it for some time now. Isn't that right? And I think you'd agree that uh, we, we know that this, this body is aging. I hate to say this next few words. It's breaking down. Isn't that right? Paul says, look at verse number one again, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, and so this body that we, we dwell in, you know, is aging and it's breaking down, and we know that it's not created to exist forever. We know that one day we're going to shed this body. Amen. Aren't you glad? Amen. Most of us are glad of that. I know I am. But then he goes on and says this in verse number five, uh, verse number one. He says, uh, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so, and so we also know this, that one day we're going to receive a spiritual body, right? Uh, go back just a couple of pages to 1 Corinthians with me, chapter number 15. And I want you to look at, at a, a, just a short passage. Look at verse number, uh, pick it up in verse 42. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. He says, it is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Look at verse 44. It's sown in natural body, it's raised a what? A spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it's written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit, a living spirit. Howbeit, that was not the first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. So what he's saying there is this. We all have this, this physical body that we live in, this earthly tabernacle. And this earthly tabernacle one day, we're going to shed this earthly tabernacle one day, and we're going to put aside this, uh, this physical body and take on a spiritual body. i never forget this. My very first semester at Bible college, uh, I, was, I was, you know, kind of going back and forth. I wasn't away at college. I was, I was homebound. And i never forget one night, you know, we were, my first semester, we were sitting around, uh, around the table at, at, at our little apartment. Don and I had just gotten married, and my parents were there, and my parents were devout Christians. And, and so my first semester, keep this in my very first semester of Bible college, and we're sitting around the table, and my mother says to me, because I had one semester under my belt, and she thought I certainly knew everything, 
My mother says to me, so please explain to me what a spiritual body is. And I thought to myself, am I, am I supposed to know this answer? I have no clue what a spiritual body is. Now, I, remember I said this, Tori, that I was my first semester of Bible college, right? I've now graduated from Bible college and advanced studies and been a pastor for a long time. And guess what? I still have no idea what a spiritual body is. Huh? I guess we're going to have to find out when we get to heaven what a spiritual body is. But I do know this, according to the scriptures, that it will not be fashioned like this. There'll be no Achilles tendon to tear, so you can play all the kickball, dodgeball, basketball you want, my brother. Amen? There'll be no gray hair, no wrinkles, no getting out of bed and something hurts that you didn't even know you had. I'm looking over here at my dear brother who was telling me all his woes a little bit ago. Why? Because it's a spiritual body, and one day you and I are going to have such a thing. Now, as a result of that, you have to read verse 2 with me. He says in verse number 2, go back to that text there in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and Paul says, as a result of that, he says, we groan. For in this we groan earnestly, look at this, earnestly desiring to be, clothed, uh, to be clothed upon with what? Our house, which is from heaven, right? So, we know that one day we're going to shed this body. Now, once again, remember that I'm going somewhere with this. By the end of the message, you'll see where. We know this, that one day we're going to shed this body. We're developing an eternal frame of mind, right? So we're not going to live in this body forever. I don't have the time to really elaborate. I really love to because we go out of our way to keep this thing. I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for uh, healthy eating and exercise. I'm for it. I don't do it. I'm for it. You know, uh, I'm all for, you know, keeping yourself, right? But you know there's people that go way, just way over. Huh? Isn't that right? And everywhere you go, my son uh, is 30-something, and, and he's kind of, his, his hair is receding a little bit. And so we were, having, we were having some dinner the other night. I hope he's not watching. We were having dinner the other night, and he said, we took a picture. The waitress took a picture of the three of us, and my son looked at the picture and said, man, I'm losing my hair. I said, mm, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> you know? And so Donna said, you know, Dad, Dad takes biotin. I, I've been taking biotin uh, for a long period of time. It's good for your skin, for your nails, and for your hair. You know, before I came here, I didn't have any hair at all. It's been growing rapidly. <laughs> I had the haircut like Brother Bart did. And, uh, and but so, but he, here's what he said to me. He said, Dad, I was reading up on this stuff called, uh, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing because I'll probably say the wrong thing, but it's something that helps you to, you know, grow hair, right? And I thought, man, you, you ought to do that because you're a whole lot younger than I am. But then it dawned on me how we try as human beings, even as Christian folk, to keep this thing as young as we can possibly keep it. Huh? I was, Tyler, I was talking to my 100-year-old grandfather two weeks ago. I speak to him every week. But two weeks ago, he said this to me. He couldn't get out. Uh, his battery was dead on his car because he still drives. And he couldn't get to the doctor. I said, well, why did you need to go to the doctor? And he said, I had to get my Botox shot. I didn't want to ask him what that was for. He's 100 years old. It certainly wasn't for wrinkles because he looks like a prune. I mean, he's already shriveled up. 
it's got to be for health, right? Do you take Botox for something other than? Come on, use your taking it. You know you're taking it. Migraine headaches. There you go. That's a safe spot, right? But you know there's a lot of people who take it to get rid of a wrinkle. And look here, Paul's trying to say this. Don't forget. Don't forget. I like what you, what you said this morning about living for the here and now and building your treasure on earth. Don't forget this body is going to fade away. And as a result, we ought to groan. He says we ought to groan for, look what he says in verse number two, that, that house which is, from, which is from heaven. We groan. Uh, and you know, here, here, here's the truth. Knowing what we know causes us to groan. At least it does for me. That word groan implies discomfort. And I think this, having living, you know, lived in this present body in this present world is uncomfortable. Don't you agree? And you know, I hear groans all the time. Do you ever hear the groans? I don't mean, I don't mean, oh, you know, when you're getting up. Or, oh, no, I mean, here's the groans. Well, I wish Jesus Christ would come back today. That's a groan. Huh? Do you ever hear people talk around and say, boy, I tell you what, it is darker today than it ever has been. We are living in a, an evil time. That's a groan. See, knowing what we know causes us to groan and desire. When I was pastoring many years ago, I had a staff member who I didn't understand because almost every day he would say to me, I, I prayed this morning for Jesus to come back today. Now, at that point in time, Brother Barn, I was 27 years old, 28 years old, had a, well, I can't say this, I still have a beautiful young wife. I was going to say I had a beautiful young wife, but she's still young and beautiful. Um, you know, children, I mean, the ministry, and I was, I was having the time of my life. I was 28 years old. And I thought, man, I want Jesus to come back. I don't think I want him to come back today. And I, I used to say the same thing when I was 35 and, and 40. And that staff member was still praying the same thing. You know, and he's still alive. He's still praying for it today. But you know what? As the older I'm, I'm getting, now that I'm 50, it's amazing how... I pray, Lord, if you were to come back today, it would not bother me. Huh? Knowing what we know causes us to groan. And verse 5 reminds that God understands our groaning. He understands our discomfort. Look at verse number 5. He says, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. He understands the groaning. But as a result, we come to verse number eight, and he says, uh, verse number six, he says, therefore, we're always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith. It takes a whole lot of faith to keep going like this. He says in verse number eight, he says, but we're confident and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So we know, we groan, and we're confident and willing, rather willing to be with the Lord. I like that, don't you? And one day we understand that we're going to shed this earthly tabernacle, and we're confident, rather willing, that that takes place. And, and, and I think it takes us back to that word we know. We know that this is a temporary life we now live, right? And so not to repeat what my brother was preaching this morning, but, but if, we, if, we're, if we're understanding this is a temporary life, and, and soon we're going to be out of here, it ought to begin to, you know, affect and influence the way that we live each day. Don't you agree? 
And then he says this in verse, number, in verse number next. He goes on and says, wherefore we labor. Look at verse number nine. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we might be accepted of him. The eternal mindset causes us to stay busy for the Lord. And so whether we're, whether we're present or absent, no matter what it is, no matter, no matter what our current condition is, we need to stay busy and focused and active for the Lord right? And then involves serving him. I like that little song we sing, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Did you ever sing that? It's a great song, isn't it? And so we labor. Why? Look at verse number 10. Now we're going to get into the meat of the message. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, right? So let's focus on this verse and then the next in the remainder of our time. So let's talk a little bit about this judgment seat of Christ because he says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, right? So let's let's just take a moment and go through a timeline, right? Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says, one day we're going to shed this body. Now, that could be through death or by rapture, right? And those of us who have been around this kind of a faith, the faith that we believe, we believe that one day soon Jesus is coming back for us. And the very next thing on the eternal timeline is the rapture of the church. And that can happen any time, correct? right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 begins to outline that, verse 51 on down. And then I think the best place is 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. For the sake of time, we won't read through those texts of Scripture. But what you begin to see there is Jesus Christ one day is going to come back for His church, right? Revelation chapter number 4, verse number 1, there's a shout and the church goes up. Amen? That's us. Well, you know, there's something that occurs soon after the church is raptured in heaven. And you know what it is? It's the judgment seat of Christ. That's where every one of us, individually, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one of us individually will stand before the Lord and give an account unto Him for what we've done with what He's given us. Right? Could you, could you take, a, take a guess of, of some of the things that we're going to give an account of? Give me an idea of some of the things we're going to give, give an account of. Just call them out. What do you, what'd you say? The gospel. Witnessing. Something else. Our time, what we've done with our time. Who? Our talents? Who said that? Our talents. Our behavior. Times we said no. That's good. Times you didn't times you didn't ask. Act. Our money. Somebody said something. Prayer. Who? Our service. Is that what you said? Our children. Who? Our motives. (laughs) Man, you came armed tonight, didn't you? Praise the Lord. I'm glad. So, now, now think about this with me. Look at the text again. For we must all be, uh, appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. All right, so let's do this. You know what we, what we normally do? Normally, we put a negative spin on this. 
right? So everything you just said, from the gospel to money to actions to all of that, all accurate, because here's what I believe. I believe when we stand before him, we're going to give an account of everything. First of all, beginning with the life he's given you. So we're going to have to give an account, an answer to him for how we used our life, right? And then how we've used truth. And then how we've used other things like our time and our talents and our money, our treasures. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to answer for that, right? What we've done with the gospel, because it's been entrusted, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, we've been entrusted with the gospel. So we give an answer for that, right? And so, you know what we do as preachers sometimes? We'll use that text of Scripture to shake you up. And we should, because that's a reality, right? We, we, we want to motivate you and, and cause you to realize that we're going to give an answer to the Lord Jesus Christ one day for how we used all of that. But on the positive side... Right? Thinking about it positively, we get a chance to appear before the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and, and, be, and, and, and all the things we've done for him, all the good things we've done for him are revealed. Because it says there, whether it be what? Good or bad. And this room is filled with people that do some pretty good things. I won't ask you to raise your hand, please don't. But many of us put our tithe in the offering plate this morning. Huh? Or in the offering boxes. Uh, many of us shared the gospel this week with someone. Many of us prayed uh, almost every day this week and read the scriptures. Right? Many of us woke up in the morning and said, Lord, I understand today is a gift from you, and I do not want to squander not one minute of time that you've given me. And we've done our best. Now, we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but we're trying to do our best. And so, Donald, when we stand before the Lord, it's not all going to be fear, right? Although I'm going to wonder if somebody said, I think Stacy said the motivation of it. I'm going to hope all my motives have been pure. But there's been a lot of things that I've done for the Lord in his name. And so I don't want to be fearful of that day. I want to look forward to that day because the Bible tells us that part of the the reaping is that he gives us these crowns, you know? And you know what we do with those crowns? If you look in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, I'll tell you what we do with those crowns. We cast them at his feet. We give them back to him, you know, in praise and honor of his kingship, right? And so we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We know we groan, but we're confident, right? We're confident. We labor right? And of course, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at, look at one final thing. Look at verse number 11, and I want to make a point here, and then we'll, we'll finish up. Look at verse number 11. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what does he say? We persuade men. Now, that can, have, that can have a twofold application. First, I think, first and foremost, we'd agree that we need to persuade men to get saved, Right? We need to persuade men uh, to get saved. And, 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 you know, living with an eternal mindset will cause us the desire to see people get saved. And I think that word persuade is, is an offense. It's an offensive word. It's not offensive. It's offensive. So we go on the offense, right? We're, we're, you know, we're just on the move looking for people that God would have us to witness to. Yesterday, one of the questions raised by our teenagers, or at least one of the questions put to the panel, 
was, was simply how, how can we share the gospel with our peers, with people of, you know, our friends. And, you know, and the idea was this, and I think we agreed, the panel agreed, that it's, it's a combination, right? And, and first and foremost, it starts with a desire, you know? And this is when I got my chance to uh, say something to the teenagers, I said, if, if this was one of your questions, I'm thankful for the question because sharing the gospel begins with a desire, Amen. right? You'll never share it if you don't desire to share it. You'll never share it if you don't have compassion for someone. You'll never share it unless, you know, you believe you need to share it. And so you, you have that desire to share it. But then it's a combination of, of you know, people, you know, you're going to share it with a friend, and you're going to hope you lived in such a way that the people you're sharing it with believe it's made a difference in your life, right? And they might say, well, I've seen the difference that, you know, the gospel has made in you, and yes, it's something that I might, and that's when you give them that truth. So it's a combination of living it and speaking it, right? It, it's, it's, it's actions and words, not just words. And then we had said this, and I think it was uh, Brother Bart or Sister Casey that said, it's not just, you know, you give them the gospel and they say no and we just... No, it's continual. You just stay at it because you love that person. It's a family member. It's a friend. That's where they were asking about how do you give the gospel, how do you share the gospel with a friend? You know, they may say no at first, but may you just keep loving him anyway, right? You don't need to break fellowship. You love them anyway, and then one day you'll never know something happens in their life, and all of a sudden, there you are, and you're able to give them the gospel and see somebody come to a saving knowledge. And so I think when he talks about persuading men, first and foremost, it's persuading men to get saved. But I believe also it's persuading men, people, to get right with God. We persuade men. We persuade individuals to get right with God. Why? Because many believers are living with the wrong frame of mind. You know, we're living for the here and now. All that matters is today. You know, this culture that we're a part of these days, it's frightening. It really is, you know, and I think what happened with COVID is COVID just brought it to the surface to see just how really shallow Christianity is in America. Yeah, real shallow. It doesn't take a whole lot to keep people from going to church. It doesn't take a whole lot for, for, for God's uh, children to just break a commitment, you know. It doesn't take a whole lot for us to get off course, so I think when he's saying here, eternal mind, mind, you know, frame of mind is persuading individuals not just to get saved, but to get right with God, living in such a way where our lifestyle encourages them to get right with God. And so are we living for the here and now? Look at one place of Scripture and we'll close. Look in Philippians chapter number 2 with me, if you would. Pick it up in verse number 1. Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Paul says to the church in Philippi, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, he said this, fulfill ye my, my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. He said, let, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness, meekness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the key right there. That's that eternal frame of mind. Let this mind 
be in you. And so I think what we ought to do, what we need to pray and ask the Lord is, Lord, help cultivate inside me an eternal frame of mind, right? So that I'm not living for the here and now, but I'm living for eternity, that I'm a kingdom liver. And as a result, I'm seeing, I'm seeing my life become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, I'm seeing the opportunities to share, to share the gospel with others and see others get saved. Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.